Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. If you wait too long and make a pivot, then you burn too much of the money. You don't have enough left to then test this new idea. And so I think being proactive and, and maybe that's why I think sometimes minimizing it, not calling it a pivot helps you to make hard decisions. But the changes have to keep coming, especially in entrepreneurship, because you have limited funds, you have less time to make to, to realize what works and what doesn't. And so it's really important to keep being proactive in that decision making. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Olivia Jaffarle, a data scientist in Italy. Although I am living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail, do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? LinkedIn presents. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, where we are celebrating women in tech from around the world. Today, we have Monica Landers here with us today. She's based in Austin, Texas. My name is Anika Aftab, and I'm based in Honolulu, Hawaii. And I've been passionate about the healthcare space my entire life. I'm incredibly excited to be interviewing women that are changing the tech landscape, one tech company at a time. So thank you for joining us, Monica. Can you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, thanks so much for having me. It's really, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. So I'm uh, based in Austin now. I'm actually from Austin, which is rare in a city that's growing as fast as it is. I started my career in media, working in television journalism, um, and now I'm just loving the the startup space and and being in the middle of it all in, in tech. So when you say you're in the startup space, can you tell us a bit about what you're doing in the startup space? Sure. We founded a company called StoryFit. Um, it's based now in both Austin and LA. Um, StoryFit is is um, right in the center, kind of the intersection of both media and uh, technology. So we work with large studios and streamers and are able to uh, give them information to predict how the audience is going to respond to their show before they even produce it. So we use NLP, machine learning, uh, AI, and apply that to the script itself to give really early indicators of what works, um, how the characters 
um, how's the storyline, and information that they could use to, to really create uh, special and unique projects. So that's fascinating. I love that intersection. Um, where did you, how did you come up with that? Like, so you are the founder and CEO of StoryFit, yes? So tell me a bit about that journey of even starting to bridge that gap. Well, I think um, it actually started in third grade. So, you know, the day when, um, when uh, adults come and speak to the class about career day, and there was only one woman that came. And she was uh, a, a television journalist, and she talked about reporting and talked about the news. And it was really at that moment that I decided that was where I wanted to be. From her stories, I could tell she was just in the, in the middle of whatever was exciting that was happening. And she was so polished and poised and just, and just seemed to really um, shine, especially compared to what I thought were all the other, um, you know, boring uh, career presentations. Um, but fast forward to, you know, out of school, I started working with ABC News and uh, and eventually produced for Good Morning America for several years and, and really loved the storytelling aspect. I learned very quickly that I liked producing and being behind the scenes and not on camera. Um, and so that was for me just the real joy of storytelling. And it, and it was interesting to be kind of first on the scene, you know, breaking news and then think, how does a story need to be told if it's going to be uh, the first segment on Good Morning America versus if, if I'm doing something for Nightline or for World News. And so that was when I really clued into there's there's a lot of different ways to tell stories. There's not one right way, but often different audiences are looking for something different. And so that was really the beginning of the love for story that I certainly have. And I think that's something that, that is you, you find no matter who you talk to in my company as well. But from there, I, I jumped into startups, and it was sort of like so many things, a little bit of an accidental uh, uh, jump. But ever since then, which is you know many years then, I've been managing a, a creative team that's creating stories and the development team. And what I saw is that these are two very different industries when you think of technology and media and creatives that, that don't communicate very well together. And so I, I, I was looking and seeing that the creatives weren't necessarily getting technology that supported them. Um, and likewise, the developers were creating amazing, amazing things that just wasn't landing, wasn't being used. And so from early on, I found myself kind of bridging this space and communicating between the two. Um, and, and that's the piece that I personally love. And so out of that, I, I worked for several, both startups and large companies, but that storytelling piece and how do we really connect with creatives and deliver something that expands creativity, um, but also delivers something that frankly, uh, creatives don't have. Like every other industry is now benefiting from AI, is benefiting from the latest technology. And you kind of look at this group who's who's to, to, to manage this original, creative, unique thing that they're doing, have really missed out on some of the benefits also of technology. So we're really working um, hard to to deliver, um, I would say, gently in a supportive way, another way of bringing AI into the creative space that really benefits um, the, the the creators themselves and the people who are who are working on building original content. Wow, I absolutely I love that you're able to bridge that gap and I mean leverage the technology that is in the now, right? That is so important um, to keep not only yourself fresh, but the what we're what they're producing fresh, right? And um, I love that you were able to do that. And so what what does StoryFit mean to you? You know, I get a lot of questions about StoryFit and that is one I've never gotten before. So it's really, it's interesting to think about. 
It's interesting because for me, it really represents, as we just talked about, something that I'm really passionate about. And then when you create a business around it, then there's this 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 need to then both extend kind of my passion to the company, but also find the group that's willing to dive in at the same level. And I and I I think that's what we've done. So for me, what StoryFit is is an extension of everything that I love doing, but now I get to do it in this in this wonderful group uh, of like-minded people. Um, I think what's interesting about forming a company is you have to really, whereas I'm trying to create a group where we're all running as fast as we can the same direction, you really have to pull in that diversity of thinking, diversity of skills, diversity of approaches. And I think that's an interesting balance. So for me, the, the company itself is this real attempt to how do I create a space where you can bring in the best uh, of, of all of these expertises, expertises, is that a word? all of these expertise that then combine, you know, to create, To I, I can see on your expressions, like, I'm not sure it is a word either. But, um, but the point is to, <laughs> how do we bring, how do we bring a, a, a group together that can then continue and expand, you know, an idea I have and make it better, right? Like, I, I'm well aware that I can't do everything on my own and that I only have, you know, the seed. And I just, so to me, the story fit itself is how do we put together a company that then can really expand on that original, original um, idea and goal. First thing I will say is English is my second language. And so I just want to say I made that face because I personally couldn't tell you if even if I wanted to. I'm still to this day, I'm still learning how to like pronounce some words like I, I could not even. Um, but <laughs> what I was going to ask next, uh, and I find this so interesting. Um, so so I've never like founded anything. I haven't created anything yet. You know, I've always had the entrepreneurial desire, um, but I do love talking to founders or um, those individuals that have found need and decided to do something about it. So like my question, my question really from that is why you, why did you start this company? Oh, I think partially out of the same reason so many people do is they, they, I just didn't know better. It seemed like such a good idea and I could so envision exactly what it would look like, how it would be done. I could see it so clearly that it seemed like a no brainer. Like, of course you would do this. Like this is just, it just seemed like it would work. And I think it's that like, you know, optimism. I will say, because I'm talking about myself, half stupidity that you actually think you can do it. And that is really the main reason I feel like a lot of companies are are begun. But I, I think if you don't have that feeling, then you can't get through all the hurdles that re- are required in starting a company. Um, but I, I, I honestly, I started it because it just seemed so it seems so obvious. It seemed like such the thing that just should be done. And, and I can do that. And um, and I so that, that that starting moment compared to then years of you know fundraising and and growth and and selling the idea is um, are, are two very different um, spaces to to be in. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I like this. I feel like it's almost like a blind optimism, but it's not. I mean, you had the vision there, right? And you just decided that you were going to do it anyway. And I think that's. That's amazing. I we definitely need more of that. And I mean, hey, you made the vision come to fruition, right? So it wasn't necessarily blind optimism. It was you just you just decided to move forward with it, which I love. Um, and so you something that you said that was really interesting. You'd mentioned that you had worked in the space where you noticed were creatives and 
developers, I believe you used the word developers, um, were not communicating. And so when, when were you exposed to the tech world? Well, the very first startup. So when I, I left, um, I left ABC, um, and, and which was just such, I mean, this was a decade and it was such an, a, an amazing way to start my career and, and just my, my education. But frankly, I, I carried a suitcase to work every single day. I was always just minutes away from getting on the airplane to go somewhere and I didn't know how long I'd be there. And so it's, it's, a, it's a challenging lifestyle, um, although very exciting. And so, um, so I decided to uh, come back to Austin um, and I thought to go to law school. And then the startup thing was happening and I thought, why wouldn't I wanna be a part of this? And so I went that route instead. And and just you just never know when you join a company how impactful it would be. But the thing about startups is it's, it's a place also where you can really learn fast and make what looks like a hard right in a career path that doesn't feel like it when you're in a startup, right? Because when you're in a startup, you're just doing everything that needs to be done. So t- telling the story of this new company, I think I was the you know the third in, and and so telling the story and building the website and then building up. Uh, an enormous um, creative community to, to, to kind of fuel that company and then working with the developers to achieve all this, like suddenly I'm, I'm learning things and doing things that I didn't know before. And so it really was the, the stepping point. Um, eventually that company then was been bought by Demand Media, um, which was a large um, content company. And so you just kind of grew from there. So I think startups, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of both working for large companies and working for startups. Like I think the perfect balance, if you really were going to plan out a career, which basically none of us can, but if you could, it would be to alternate between those large companies and startups because you learn the skill set and you move so fast and are tested in so many ways in a startup. Um, but yet you've got to be able to operate with consistency and planning and and work between departments, all of those skills you, you really learn in larger companies. And so I think I, I always recommend to people to, to, you know, don't feel like you're forever in startups, but also don't feel like you're forever in large companies. And I think sometimes you have to make that decision and do do both of them as early in your career as possible so that you have both those exposures. Because I know when I'm hiring people that are much later in their career and they think they want to do a startup, I always do a lot of counseling. It's like, okay, I think, I think you'd be great at this job. Now let me try and talk you out of it because it's really not what you're expecting. Like it's so different than being in a large company. Um, but likewise, I, I always find a lot of value too in, in the experience of people that can maneuver and be successful in large companies. Then, then I trust them a lot more, say, if they're coming into StoryFit and now selling into, because who do we sell to? Large companies, right? And so you need that expertise. So I, I really, I find that that kind of learning um, is really important um, in both areas. But ever since then, then I've been managing development teams. So that's that's a long time to be working with technologists with expert, experts in this area when I, that's not my background. So I, I, you know, I've learned enough to be dangerous. I can at least articulate the ideas and then understand, you know, the, the realities of can this be, can this be built or what would we need to do? Um, but, but I'm, I don't have, you know, engineering background. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's what makes you, you use the word dangerous, right. And, but also like being able to, to, 
make it right or just do what you're doing is being being able to be open-minded enough but also articulate what you need to but structured but also flexible and adaptable those are skills that just aren't learned overnight and i i love i love that idea of being able to do both right um i personally come from a i i have a lot, I have a lot of government background which has made me a lot more like structured and you know i understand what red tape looks like I've also done a lot of work in the startup space and I love the fast pace. Like I'm from New York city. I'm very fast paced and um, being able to combine both has been very difficult. But once you find a balance, it just, it really helps you excel not only yourself, but the people around you and just, you know, um, which I, I absolutely love that. And so I guess my next question is, so you had mentioned when you were, did you say your third grade, you saw um, someone that was in media and you were like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And so would you say, and now you're, you've kind of bridged that gap between media and technology. And would you say that's your, like, what is your calling? I think my actual calling, like what energizes me is to, to learn new things and to figure out something that hasn't been done before. And so that's not necessarily a calling, like I'm, I'm driven to it, but day by day when I get up and what things I choose to do are, are really something that, that falls into that. And, you know, just playing off what you were just saying, like when you're in all these different environments, you know, whether it's fast paced and or uh, government red tape, you can recognize when you're in that space again, right? You can draw from that. And I think when you're when you know these different spaces, environments, work styles, goals, that's what starts getting interesting when you're able to put those together. So, you know, like just listening to you, what's like what would be obvious for you is to find a better pathway between, you know, the the red tape and and the trying to get things done fast, right? Like that's 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 the area that you you can intersect. And I think um, I think for me, I've found two spaces that are very interesting to me. And I love being able to move back and forth between the two. So that keeps me um, um, personally energized. And then as a company, it makes me feel like we've got something new to offer, which is which is why you do a startup, right? It's because you believe you have something, you have something new that you can offer the space. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even just going back to what we were just talking about, I think, you know, we see these two areas as two extremes, but I think that just the way that we think, we see that line in between, right? We can walk that line of these two extremes and see how we can bring them together, um, which I, I I love. I love that like notion of just being able to, my, my undergrad and my master's were both um, individualized school programs. Um, I went to a tech school, but I wanted to combine everything. I just wanted to, to do neuroscience and do business and do like um, policy. And I just was like, let's, let's just try it all. Why not? Um, so I, I, I'm very, very excited when you, like when we were just talking about this, but um, what I also really love what you said was you said that your calling is what energizes you. I have never, I've never heard of it that way. And I, I, I love that. I'm going to start using that in my like day-to-day practice. I'm like, what does energize me? Is that really what I should be aligned to it more? Um, but I just, I love that. I love both of those things. <laughs> I actually want to comment on that. Cause I, I, and that is philosophically something I believe in. I actually spend a lot of time with new hires and with the company of understanding what energizes them because that let's let's be you know realistic. You've got a whole bunch of people that you're wanting to work very hard, and so it makes a difference if you if 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 I'm able to 
to get them into situations that energizes them. Um, I feel like I've got infinite number of jobs that need to be done at StoryFit. And so I spend, that's my main focus, kind of the, especially the first month when someone lands is obviously we've agreed on the role that they're gonna have, right? They're coming in with a job in mind. I'm hiring the person with a job in mind, but the reality is there's a lot of different ways to do that job. And if I can make sure to facilitate and get that, that get the person in a space where they're going to enjoy it and they're and, and they're energized, then they're happier. People who work with them are happier, and and you and you have that 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 fun feeling. And so I I'm I'm a big believer in in trying. I feel like that's something I can do. You know, for people in the company is trying to facilitate and really be thoughtful about helping them figure out what energizes them to get them into a better spot. I, I am curious, how did you, like, I, I, I admire your mindset. I really do. I love the optimism. I love the the willingness to be adaptable, but also, you know, determined. And um, I can keep giving you words of affirmation if that's your love language. <laughs> but but um, <laughs> We could do that for a while. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I was going to say, I can keep going. Um, but I, I was going to ask is <laughs> what, like, how, where did this like way of thinking come from for you? I don't know because you know when it's your thinking it seems perfectly normal so it's not until you get until you get older and and start reflecting or hear how other people would approach things you're like oh I, I guess I did something strange there um I but I do think partly there's a real survival mentality right I mean for me like that's optimism for me is a good is a is a protection and a buffer against being dragged down by things that are hard. And so, you know, I, now I'm, I'm picturing there's, there's some uh, psychiatrist listening to this. That's going to be like, Oh, we're about to identify some real, some real problems and, you know, unhealthy coping mechanisms. And so i certainly don't want to encourage anyone to do things differently because I see people behaving in very different ways that works really well. But for me, I think there, there, there's a sur survival. I mean, you know, whether it ABC where you kind of have to land on the ground and figure out what's going on fast or in tech, just kind of day to day growing and figuring things out and, and learning how to operate in um, what's less now, but originally a really male dominated area. Right. I, I think that that optimism for me really, really, really buffers any problems so that I can look at problems as like, oh, learn from that one. Let's let's figure out what I can do differently next time. Um, so I, I don't feel like I'm in survival mode. I, I'll just say that, but I feel like a lot of my coping mechanisms come from how do I keep moving forward and not get, not get, um, not get slowed down. And you said something really, really briefly, you mentioned that is, so the media space is a male dominated industry. Uh, no, not so much as technology. I don't have any good answers. I think I hear this as a conversation topic. And I think there's so many women who speak um, so much more eloquently on it, frankly, and have real coping tools and thoughtful. And I just sort of keep just keep going forward. I my, uh, you know, my my I just try and assume the best in people. And so I try not take things to heart. I try and correct or or, or nudge a different direction when I can. Um, again, I, I so admire um, uh, women who can be quick on their feet. And I think there's a lot more support now, which I really admire of, of coming, um, being much more direct and, and identifying when there's a problem just in the minute. I, I have found that I'm not able to do that. I'm usually just kind of figuring it out and trying to just do what I was whatever I'm in the process of doing. And so I feel like I have um, 
scooted through a lot of situations of just, again, kind of in survival and trying to figure out along the way. And so I've always admired the people who in the moment can can fix and correct and re-educate. Um, I don't feel like I've been as 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 quick, you know, to to fix problems as I as I could have. Yeah. Well, I think you should give yourself more credit. <laughs> I, I believe you. I, I'm sure that you have, but I do appreciate your perspective and just even going to like the point of like navigating spaces that we are not comfortable in. It's not, if we don't, if we're not comfortable in it, we're, there's never going to be a right answer, right? At least not for us because we've never done it. We can always look to see what other people are doing, but when we're in it, it's always going to be how we react. Um, and so I think the way that you do it is the correct way because there's no other way that you would have done it. <laughs> If, you know, and so that's kind of just my perspective on that. Um, if you wanted to comment, but I'm happy to to switch gears as well. <laughs> I really wanted to ask um, next about you know we just even like through the space that you're in, um, it seems like for us as we're t- telling the story, it, it feels like it's a linear story, right? And you're very aware of how how to story tell. Um, you know, were there ever moments where you were going down like a path and you just were like, "Oh my goodness, this is not this is not what I want to be doing anymore," or "I need to pivot," or "I need to change things." I mean, you did mention a little bit when you were doing ABC where it just wasn't a like there's no work life balance. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about how like you noticed that you weren't where you wanted to be and then how you pivoted it out of it. I think in retrospect I can see the pivots that I've made which seem like pivots, but I think in the moment and I feel like this is important to talk about is in the moment you don't necessarily know you're making a pivot, right? You're making a decision. And and I think um I mean even sometimes and I can talk more in detail about like a a pivot, a large pivot we made in this company. I, I denied it was a pivot for you know maybe a year. Or so I'm like, no, no, we're just you know doing this, and because I think pivot sounds really scary, and and I and and so sometimes it, it's easier just to recognize that you have to make decisions in the moment, and that they sometimes then can evolve into a better um, situation. So for example. There was probably a lot of other things I could have done with ABC to get to better balance, right? I, I really, I could have talked more to the people I, I worked for. I didn't even explain that I was searching for something else. I didn't even try to look for another role. I thought I had the best job there. So I was like, this is the best. I can't imagine anything better. So I made a, you know, I made a decision and there, and I was glad to move back to Austin too. So there was a lot of things in it, but um, I just think it's interesting because you just don't know when you make one decision that it really is going to become a major pivot, which it, it certainly was for me. Um, and I, I think I've done that with the company too. So when we originally started, we focused in publishing. I saw that industry as an area that really could use this kind of technological support. Um, they're uh, swimming in, in great content that sometimes doesn't ever get realized. Um, and we had some really good success, both we had some really good success in publishing, but I'd already started raising venture money and I knew it wasn't going to grow fast enough. That industry is 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 a little bit slow to move and, and weren't ready to just embrace a startup until we became more established. And so moving into entertainment, um, film, television, streaming um, was hugely important for the company, but yet still something that, you know, at the time I was like, I'm giving up where we started. Am I, am I sure? And I think I ran it both I ran both the the authors.me was the name of the company and the story fit kind of simultaneously until we really decided to move on. And so I guess even then, that is a massive pivot. There's no one who wouldn't call that a pivot. But even then, I was a little bit in denial because 
saying you're making a pivot seems so seemed like such a break. Yeah, it seems. Yeah. And so, oh, we're changing and evolving is so much more comfortable. So I guess I think um, I think it, it, it helps sometimes to think in, also in the moment, because I see people trying to make these long term plans and think how one decision is going to base, you know, affect than their next career. And it's and and that's really hard to predict. So I think sometimes these biggest big decisions are important to make also within the the structure of the moment of the time where you are right then. Um, I'm always hopeful that if I make good decisions in the moment that they'll guide me to better decisions in the future. Um, and it's easier to make a good decision in the moment than to make 50 decisions in your future that you don't really have control over. Right. No, absolutely. And I, I, I resonate so heavily with that the try not to live in those black and white, those extremes. It's just, it's not life or death most of the time, like 95, 99% of the time, it's probably not. And one decision's not gonna, I mean, yes, there are times when you make one decision, it's going to change your life forever. I will say that 110% always take opportunities, but most of the time it's not that serious. And we, we just, you know, I really admire that you're able to pull yourself out of that and just be able to see it as like, you know, if we try this, it's not going to, it might change things, but it's probably, it's going to just do one step closer to one other direction. And um, I, I really, really love that. And I resonate. I wish more people had to think like that, you know? Yeah. A lot of what drives me is this feeling of like moving forward, right? And there's this balance because sometimes a pivot needs to be a pause. I think I've gotten better at that. It's like not always driving, but also some pause within that to make the decisions. The reason I think that pivots are important and maybe we just call them like hard decisions in the moment um, is because sometimes people can cannot make a hard decision because there's not an immediate 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 pain or immediate reaction and there's this confusion of like or, or or misplacement like well nothing bad's happening so maybe i can just keep doing what i'm doing and i and that's really important for uh, entrepreneurs who have a limited amount of money like if you if you wait too long and make a pivot then you've burned too much of the money you don't have enough left to then test this new idea and so I think being proactive and, and maybe that's why I think sometimes minimizing it, not calling it a pivot helps you to make hard decisions. But the changes have to keep coming, especially in entrepreneurship, because you have limited funds, you have less time to make to, to realize what works and what doesn't. And so it's really important to keep being proactive in that decision making. So next question I really wanted to ask you is, you know, most of the time, we, we can't do this on our own, right? Um, there's always like either a group of people that support us or there are mentors. Did you ever, did you have any mentors that really stand out to you in your journey um, as you kind of nav- navigated through, you know, all of these spaces? I have honestly endless mentors and supporters. And I, I, I mean, just from the the very beginning, from the you know first year of my career, I've had super supportive people. I think that's got to make the difference, right? And there's not there's not a year or a, or a or a pivot or a or an issue that's gone by that I can't think of someone that I was able to speak to. Um, I think for for all of this, and it's I think it can be so awkward sometimes for people to search out who don't feel like they have the support in their life. And um and I've and I've been lucky to have really great um, bosses and peers. And now as an entrepreneur, incredibly rich support systems. I think that's one of the things that the tech world has done well is talk about that and create the places. And in Austin, there's Cap Factory, which is incredibly supportive of me. And with that one group comes 
honestly, as many mentors or support as I needed to reach out to. Ditto with Techstars, which is a well-known accelerator that that we went through. And so I, I feel like that structure is there and there's there's there, there's places people can go to find it. And I can't imagine doing it without it. I also have to say my husband's incredibly supportive. There are times when he requests that we not talk about story fit, which I try and try and do as well. But like, I think that if there's one thing anyone does is really recognize who who is in your life that can support you and and establish that and and spend time on it too, right? That like, it's important to make sure that those, that those relationships are, are, are present. What is next for you or what's next for story fit? Oh, we are just, we're growing. We, you know, we just closed a series A. So we're just focused on um, connecting with these companies, growing the business. Uh, That's, that's, that's all that's in my mind right now. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. And we're, I'm really excited to be following along your journey um, with that. Um, So fun questions. What would you say is your favorite book? The book that I'm rereading right now is Play Bigger. It is, uh, and the, the company's reading as well. It's all about um, building and creating a new category, which is what we're doing. So I, I'm a huge fan of that book in general. And, uh, and that's the one that we're in the middle of. I feel like I've got a book club going in that I've, I've convinced everyone in the company to read it with, with me again. So that's my, that's my current top of my list. I love it. I love that you're doing it as a company as well. That's, that's fascinating. Um, can you tell me what your favorite podcast or your videos, your favorite video series is? Yeah, so um, I'm still a huge fan of Radiolab. Uh, they, they've, they've changed the people that are working on it now, but I mean, it's just so such, they're just the experts in storytelling and storytelling using, you know, s- sound and audio. Um, so I just, I just still love them. And other than that, all the podcasts I listen to are in French because I'm always trying to just retain and grow just my, you know, my, my, my light handle on the language. So every other podcast I would list is all like, uh, you know, intermediate or slightly comfortable, you know, French. <laughs> Je prends français un peu. I've been learning for 10 years. So I watch all my shows in French. <laughs> we'll have to chat about this. Let's, let's, let's be, let's, let's, let's chat afterwards. <laughs> um, We've got a I lot of, th- I've started my list. We have a lot of things to talk about after the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we do. We really do. Um, and then can you tell, can you tell us like one of your favorite resources for anything, you know, tech related or any other, just in that space? Like if there's anything that you like to go to. Well, I, I mean, I have two board members. I have two board members that have written books, and I just I, I'm so lucky to have their expertise all the time. So Gordon Doherty and Amos uh, Schwartzfarb are both um, authors of books who I, I I can read their books, but also I take their advice, um, uh, you know, every day that I can. So um, those are two two um, two great resources. I love it. And then, who is a woman in tech that inspires you? Um, I am always inspired by Heather Bruner, who's a local uh, tech um, tech leader here in Austin. And she um, is amazing in not only how she responds to things that come up, but how she proactively um, approaches building building her business. WP Engines is the name of the company. Um, but she's just amazing. And I think just even following her on LinkedIn, you get insight into her wisdom. And I'm lucky enough to have been in um, you know, I see her at events. We've been on some boards together, and it, and just listening to the, her approach is always inspiring to me. She's very methodical in how she communicates within the company and how she works with her execs, and I've I've always admired that. 
what can listeners do to support you or StoryFit? You know, StoryFit's a new technology and we can be scary to some creatives, right? Um, groups that haven't worked with us don't know how absolutely um, exhilarating and supporting and how we can bring creativity to projects. And so really for support, just being part of our social and, and communicating and sharing it, what we found is that once once companies realize that we're real people behind very cutting edge AI, um, it's much easier to, to, to work with us. So I'd always appreciate just the support and the sharing. I mean, StoryFit, we're on every you know, social, um, social outlet there is. And so that would, that would be great support. And then how can people connect with you, Monica? I think probably through StoryFit is the best way we have. We can log on through online and find us on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, that's probably the best way to connect. I don't need coffee in the morning if I can talk to more people like you every day. Um, so I'm going to close this off. Um, so thank you for so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. You can say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on our Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And I will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much, Monica. Thank you for having me. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.